0: You know, you you mentioned how you want to be a doctor or a medical doctor for NASA, and Foyd is a medical engineer. I am a minister of religion. You know, we've gone on three different pathways, but ultimately, we're all uh, making an attempt to live a fulfilled life. And ultimately, that's what religion is about. You know, it's about trying to live your life to the fullest. Live a meaningful life. A lot of
1: the understanding people today get from what they watch on YouTube or, you know, TikTok or other things. And it is a a kind of the general view point of the world that, you know, no one's really interested in religion when actually I personally think in reality is that everyone's following some kind
2: of moral code. Whenever a new scientific discovery is made, whenever we uncover a new scientific truth or whenever new research comes out, it always supports what Islam has already been teaching us. It never goes against it. And I think that's that's one unique aspect of Islam that no other religion can really match and no other philosophy can match either.
1: Peace be upon you all, and welcome to the new podcast series brought to you by the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community of Australia. Muslims who believe in the Messiah, His Holiness, Mirza Ghulam Ahmad. In this series, we plan to look at the religion of Islam critically, however, and explore questions such as the relevance of traditional values and religion in our lives today. Can you be spiritual but not religious? What does Islam essentially teach? Is it just a set of redundant rituals and dogmatic beliefs, or can it provide a pathway towards living a fulfilled life? Is morality a thing of the past? And what in the heaven is spirituality? With a great increase in the number of people who are turning away from wokeism and nihilism and subscribing to more conservative worldviews, can these traditional and tested values provide solutions to the problems we individually face today? My name is Adil Ahmed, and I am an aspiring doctor and one day dream to fly to space with NASA as a medical doctor. And more than anything, I'm a proud Ahmadi Muslim. Also, joining me today are two very learned gentlemen. Firstly, we have Imam Muhammad Hadi, who is a minister of religion for the Ahmadiyya Muslim community currently serving in Australia, passionate about psychology. And demonstrating the wisdom and relevance of Islamic values today. He likes to read and play basketball and soccer in his spare time. Also joining us is Fuad Munir, who is an electrical engineer by day and a youth leader by night. Both of these gentlemen have years of experience working with communities and helping people live better lives. So welcome both of you to this podcast and I'm looking forward to having this conversation with you
2: peace be upon you thank you pleasure to be
0: here yeah peace be upon you and yeah absolutely i'm looking forward to conversing with both of you today Uh, it's an interesting discussion to be had okay we'll jump
1: right into the questions uh, because we are limited on time so uh, first of all the first thing i want to do is address the big elephant in the room and that is that people today, well, the at least the common understanding is that people today are completely disinterested in anything that resembles religion or any conversation about it, anything that's, you know, about religion at all, people don't want to talk about. Now, first, I want to ask, is that actually the case? And I'll address this question to Imam Hadi.
0: Well, it's interesting, really. Um, I I remember receiving a similar question from a young man here in Queensland, Australia, and he was quite concerned, really, and he asked, um, you know, um, how, how do I talk to people about my faith? How do I talk to people about religion, something that I find so dear to me and so important to me, when, you know, clearly you can see that People are just not interested at all uh, with anything to do with religion and faith. And I actually stopped him and I said that, you know, I wouldn't even agree with that worldview, to be very honest, because I think it shows a lack of understanding on our part on what religion actually is. I would actually argue that people are still very much interested in religion today. Because ultimately, um, what Islam teaches us and what Islam describes as religion and, you know, Islam doesn't just talk about um, itself, but it talks about religions of the past. And fundamentally, Islam presents religion as a way of life, um, a set of principles that you adopt. Um, to try and live a fulfilled life and you know even a cursory glance um, on today's society um, you'll see that in actuality people are very much invested in trying to live a meaningful and fulfilled life and I mean they might do it in different ways and that's of course natural um, human beings have their own tendencies and their own inclinations and their own aspirations. You know, you, you mentioned how you want to be a doctor or a medical doctor for NASA, and Foad is a medical engineer, I'm a minister of religion. You know, we've gone on three different pathways, but ultimately, we're all uh, making an attempt to live a fulfilled life. And ultimately, that's what religion is about. You know, it's about trying to live... Your life to the fullest, live a meaningful life, and more importantly, to live your life appropriately. Uh, to live a, to re- live your life properly, you know, to have a well-lived life overall. So, if if this is what religion is, and this is most definitely my understanding of religion and what I see Islam to teach, then I would argue that in actuality, people are still uh, interested in religion today just as much as they were in the past. Um, now, obviously, why they openly speak up against religion is, is is a different matter altogether, and that's something we can definitely get into further as we as we continue our conversation.
1: Thank you about that, and uh, Mr. Fawad, I I know that you work with a lot of youth, um, and I wanted to ask you something similar as well on. What is your experience addressing this? pretty much the same question? Is this actually the worldview today, especially within youth, that they don't really care about religion?
2: It's, it's, um, it's very interesting um, what Imam Hadi Saad just touched upon. Um, he basically highlighted how religion is really a way of life. And I think um, to go back to your question where you were originally asking, you know, are people interested in religion? It's interesting when um, you're in a workplace or, you know, just at uni and people find out you're a Muslim and, you know, obviously it's it's an organized religion, uh, automatically, um, you know, the conversation, it, it's hard to, you know, explain to them. Uh, I, I guess like instead of talking about you, I could, I could probably fully it would be better if I could just talk about my own experience as um, I was growing up. And it's very hard to kind of make them understand that, you know, it's really just a process and a way of thinking about the world. And, um, but that's not where the conversation goes. When you first start talking to them about it, there's almost like a, you know, like whatever view you have about whatever subject, um, it's, it's very like they, they get taken aback or, I found like people are afraid to talk about religion um, without really recognizing that they are already practicing a religion in one form or another. Whether you take God out of it or whether you um, denounce organized religion is besides the point. Um, religion at the end of the day is just a process, um, a way to think about things, a way to make sense of this world. And um, I don't think anybody really um has the perfect answer, uh, outside of Islam, I would say, um, it's a big claim to make, I know, um, but I think we can, we can go on that and, um, you know, definitely when you work with the youth as well, you can see this kind of, uh, I guess that they themselves don't even realize, um, what Islam really is. or like, uh, maybe they haven't developed a full understanding of how it's really just a way to live your life and to live your life to the best. And you know what the correct balance is, how to think about things, which is obviously easier said than done a lot of the times. Um, I guess it's a, it's a continuous improvement as well as you go along in life.
1: Yeah, it is almost as if we have to actually break a wall first or address some very basic things, especially when people actually get to find out that we are Muslim and, and then actually go and tell them, you know, who we really are as individuals, because the first kind of the, on the face value, it is, is like this person is a Muslim, and this is what I know about, I guess, other Muslims. So it's very much the same. So this is the I, I, I agree with you on that. And something that I personally, I guess I have noticed as well, is that a lot of, um, a lot of content on this specific questions comes from the media which is a lot of the understanding people today get from what they watch on youtube or you know TikTok on other things and it is a a kind of the general view point of the world that you know no one's really interested in religion when actually i personally think in reality is that everyone's following some kind of moral code and as you said if you you know attach a Dogmatic God to it or not God to it, you are following a set of values or hierarchy, um, you know that you apply to your real life. Um, yeah, well, it's um, yeah. With that, if, I if, yeah. If
0: you mind me coming in there, I mean, it's interesting, really, because um, you know, you mentioned the media and the media creating an overall narrative that people are following today. But I mean, that that's absolutely true. I would say, mm-hmm. um. I think the media, unfortunately, um, does tend to, or well, due to, well, there could be a number of reasons, either, you know, one which would be at the forefront is for making money, but the other would be an argument for the sake of artistic value, etc., cetera, et cetera. But there's another way of looking at it, really. I think a lot of people, when they approach religion or when they move away from religion, um... And obviously, the recent statistics in Australia were very clear. Um, there is a sharp increase of people um, moving away from religion, and um, either altogether becoming atheistic or becoming, an, um, you know, uh, someone who uh, doesn't ascribe to an organized religion, but still feels themselves to be spiritual, right? Um, and the reason I would openly say, and it's something that, you know, maybe a lot of people might not like to hear, but it's because um, when religions have uh, beliefs, um, dogmatic ideas, which are completely against reason and rationality, and in actuality something that you as a human being or your human nature can't agree to. I mean, it's just something which um, isn't according to the psyche of a human being. Um, Then naturally people, you know, start to fall away from it. Um, And that has been the case, unfortunately, um, with a number of religions. And I I would argue that Christianity is at the forefront of this. Um, There are a number of dogmatic beliefs that have unfortunately uh been held on to or even i would you know as a muslim we say that these are beliefs that have been uh, produced later on they're not found in the original teachings of christ or within the life of jesus himself right and what that then leads to is people then becoming disillusioned by the religion and eventually just falling away because they uh you know they they say they think that well this religion has nothing for me they're just set of rituals that you know I don't necessarily need to do. Right. And then in that vein, if you move slightly forward, a lot of people holding this world view then start to judge Islam based on this, right? They they think that, well, if this is the case with Christianity, um, then it must be the case with Islam. Right. And you'll you'll see a lot of leading atheists um, instead of actually looking into the religion of Islam, really trying to understand um, the philosophy of Islam, um, you know, they, they, they just make sweeping statements or they've already made their mind up that, well, it must be something completely similar to uh, modern Christianity, hence it's not relevant today. And another thing that you'll observe as well, actually, is that you know, th- there are certain religions in the world today that people are readily adopting. Right but then those religions have had to to a certain degree um, you know completely reshape their image and only present principles which the modern mind can agree to. And on the basis of that, you know someone might call themselves uh, a practicing or a modern Buddhist, right because they ascribe to the benefits of meditation, etc. Um, so it's, it's a really an interesting situation that you see, um, whereas, you know, when, when you look at the religion of Islam, um, it's so in line with the human psyche, right? Um, if you actually look into the principles and the values that Islam presents, it's just about living a balanced life, really, isn't it? It's, um, you know, um, Islam addresses a number of issues, including your diet how you should regulate your time during the day you know um, how do you ensure that you 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 are mentally as well as physically fit etc etc you know all of these things are described by Islam and th- these are things that now which is interesting you found you find in self-help Books that people are running towards. And to be honest, I've read a number of these self-help books and every time I'm I'm just like taken back and I think, well, you know, this has already been described by Islam quite extensively, really. And so I, I think another reason for for this situation that we have is a grave misunderstanding found in society today. And to be very honest, I'll be quite frank, I don't blame society at all for it. I mean, if you're constantly presented with these illogical dogmatic ritualistic ideas that don't really have anything to do with you know living a, a, a life um fully uh and appropriately um then obviously naturally you'll move away from religion and you'll try to find things which aren't redundant and which are a bit better uh, and more efficient for your life right um so
1: you you said uh Imam Hadi, you said some very interesting ideas, and I actually wanted to ask you a question about it. Uh, What is a responsibility of an individual himself to find not the right religion, the right thing to follow for himself? And the reason why I'm asking this question is because when someone has a bad experience and we were just discussing this when someone has a bad experience so they see religion in a bad light uh, the automatic assumption is is you kind of apply it to everything else you know and that's a very human thing to do and that's completely fine but so the question again is that what is an individual's responsibility to actually find the truth because at the end of the day it is everyone's you know, for their own sake, they should be looking for the truth. So what is their responsibility and what would you want,
0: I guess, all of our listeners to do to find the truth? Well, yeah, that's that's very interesting. I think, it, it, again, it just comes down to balance, isn't it? Um, ultimately, I think those people who, due to their reasoning, and I, I think we can simplify even more. If an individual decides to leave principles which are obsolete, right, because they're clearly demonstrated to be obsolete, right, Um, I think that's quite healthy. Um, And if that's what leads one to move from one set of ideas to, to something which is better, then that so be it. I mean, ultimately, yeah, as you mentioned, everyone has a hierarchy of values and it's important that we climb that hierarchy and within that hierarchy, there will be certain ideas and certain values which through the the process of natural selection will beat out other values, right? And if for that reason, unfortunately, uh, the religion that you've um, inherited from your parents doesn't live up to that critique and you find yourself not believing in it and moving away from it, I don't think you should be ashamed of that fact. I think it's quite a healthy thing to adopt that which is true and that which is right. Right. But when, when, why I said balance is because, I mean, it's okay till this stage, but if then that means that you've completely closed off, you know, certain aspects of the world, just because you, you know, you've come up with this bias, or or this understanding that, well, if this is the case for one ideology, then it must be the case for the other, because to a certain degree, they're similar to one another, then I think that's quite unfair. And I think um, an individual would be doing a disservice to themselves, right? Ultimately, it comes down to your intention, isn't it? I mean, if your intention is to find the best right to find the greatest good to find um, and achieve the highest virtue and the highest form of truth right and in islam we would describe that as god right whatever is the highest of the highest We consider that to be God. And, and, you know, maybe you don't need to think of it as God in in the initial stage, right? Maybe that's something that needs to come later on. Uh, It's a realization that you have with experience. But at least in the beginning, if your intention is to achieve the best, then you also need to keep yourself open to the truth at every stage of your life, isn't it? You can't just suddenly shut yourself off because... If, for example, um, you know, let's take a very frank example. Um, I mean, it's an example that's given by the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community who claimed to be the promised Messiah um, who was foretold by the Holy Prophet of Islam. right? And he, he gives a very frank example. And he says that, look, if as a Christian, you come to realize that your beliefs are absolutely nonsensical, right? And you come to realize that, you know, they're not really doing anything for you and your worldview and for your progression as a human being, right? And then you're provided with a better set of ideals, something which is more in line with your reasoning and your rationale, in line with your human nature and your human psyche, etc. And actually can help you live a better life, right? Then if your intentions are pure, you would naturally try to move on and, and adopt the better values, right? Um, but if, you know, being stubborn, you decide that, you know, no, I'm going to stick with whatever, I, whatever I've inherited, then that is actually a clear indication that, well, your intentions aren't pure in the first place, right? And, you know, it could also be argued from a psychological perspective that maybe you you've succumbed to your ego and, you know, you have a bit of arrogance within you to not be able to accept, um, you know, the truth when it's presented to you, right? So I think balance is important. I think it's healthy to find better ideals and things which are more beneficial for you in your life. But at the same time, you know, when you realize that something might be wrong, you shouldn't paint everything with the same brush. you'll, You'll be doing a disservice to yourself and not allowing yourself to grow.
1: Okay, well, very well explained. I'll, I'll actually play the devil's advocate here, and uh, I want to ask Mister Fawad Mr. this question because he, especially because he works with youth, um, and the question I want to ask is that, as a Muslim, or you know, as a person who follows Islam, what would? Why you mentioned something earlier that you think this is the most practical. Religions a practical set of values. So, what do you find here that's very practical, and what would what should be presented to you? You know that you would run towards if it's not Islam. So,
2: it's um, <laughs> a good question. Um, I would say, uh, but you know, listening to Imam Imam Hadi explain why the search for truth should go on. I think it's fascinating that our society, uh, especially in the West, we're obsessed with science. You know, we claim like science is the higher truth and really what Imam Hadi just explained is in a nutshell, the scientific method, you know, at every, at any given point, you can't just turn off your brain and accept that this is it. Um, At every given point you must, whenever you encounter something new, at least investigate, um, keep your mind open um, and whatever understanding or knowledge you have at the time, you use that capacity to make the best decision. Um, And I think that that's, that's really uh, what Islam is in a nutshell. Uh, I mean, uh, and to highlight how to highlight the beauty of this religion as well, I would say that's, perfectly in line with our natural tendencies as well you know as children we grew up and we've got weird things that we think of the world right like i don't know maybe maybe i thought that people who played basketball were just silly or for example you know but like now i know um, <laughs> especially meeting imam um, uh, you know that people who play basketball can be very smart um, <laughs> I'm, I'm just it's good I'm to just know, really know that you don't think that i'm silly <laughs> 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 I'm just simplifying my own, um, I, I guess, um, will be like at, at, at one point I was just fully in the soccer and I used to, you know, diss on anyone who would say, oh, you know, like basketball's better because of this, this and that, for example. Um, so, you know, like growing up, every child has weird things that they think are the truths of the world, but over time through investigations, through making mistakes, through, um, education and being presented with new ideas, we embrace that and we grow up and, you know, we obviously have our own personalities and our own understanding of the world at any given point, but it's uh, it's really beautiful to me that this is exactly what Islam preaches and this is exactly the scientific method and the very basis of all the progress that we've made in the past two centuries um, out in the West. Um, and to go back to your point about, um you know, it being a practical way of life. I think, I think that that's a really, um, good example as well. You know, it's, it's exactly in line with what we actually want to do as human beings. Um, I, I guess the only, the only thing that kind of gets in the way of people, at least thinking about religion in an open, in an open sense would be just the stigma that's attached to it now because of the way the information is presented, um, and I think it's um, it's kind of unfortunate that the society places so much emphasis on the self, and not really on the collective benefit. To the point where I, I feel like a lot of the times, even even as a Muslim, um, you you tend to get affected by that. And, and you know, like um, obviously, the society around you has an effect on you as well. So you t- you can be selfish at times too. Um, and I think that that focus on the self kind of prevents us from investigating what other people might have to say sometimes or, you know, just keeping your mind open. Um, so while we are focusing on self-improvement, but at the same time, it's it's weird that we shut off our brains to new ideas.
0: And, and you know what I find interesting? Because, um, <laughs> you know, maybe you go back um, 10 years, 15 years, Maybe it was something that started in the sixties. I don't know. Um, I mean, when you do look into the history, they do say that the seventies was <laughs> a time of, you know, just absolute hedonism, especially after you know the, the Western world recovered uh, from the war or so. It was on 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 its journey of recovering from the war, right? Um, but what I find interesting is, you know, one other argument that used to be made uh, about why people wouldn't adopt religion or would like to somehow escape from religion was exactly what you mentioned, right? Selfishness, right? You you, you want to be able to do whatever you like. And in particular, what you would want to especially like to do is live a hedonistic life, right? You should be able to drink alcohol as you like. You should be able to, you know, have um, illicit relationships as much as you like. Um, you know, you're, you, you should be ha- able to have the freedom Um, to achieve happiness the way you like, right? And what I find incredible (laughs) is we live now in a society, I believe, um, where people are now genuinely um, moving towards adopting principles that make their lives better, right? There are so many conversations now that are being had where people are talking about, well, you know, I gave up alcohol, or it 's better to just give up alcohol altogether because ultimately it 's no good for you uh, it 's not good for your waistline it 's not good for your own mental health and you know if you if you want that healthy body um, it 's not just something you should be doing similar same thing with you know having illicit relationships and you know being completely obsessed with living a promiscuous life you know um, a lot of people today now are really looking at their lives and trying to um, shape it the best way possible. So, uh, you know, one thing that's been clearly proved now is that if you don't have a routine, it's quite possible that you'll become depressed. Um, If you don't wake up at a particular time in the day, every day, it's possible that you'll succumb to depression, right? And if you are not exercising, if you're not trying to build muscle, um, and trying to live a healthy life and adopting a healthy diet, that well, ultimately you're going to succumb to immense negativity and depression and no amount of hedonistic or hedonism is going to help you out of it, right? Um, and this is something which people are actively realizing and they're actively putting these parameters and limitations on themselves just so they don't get bogged down with depression. They don't fall into that abyss of neg- negativity. And so ultimately they feel good about themselves. They feel like, you know, I'm, I'm living a fulfilled life and I'm living each day, um, you know, helping um, myself grow positively, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, right? And I mean, what else is religion? <laughs> that is ultimately religion, isn't it? I mean, this is what Islam has been talking about forever now. Um, ultimately there's nothing different. I mean, yeah, I mean, we could definitely argue that religion, or particularly Islam, um, takes you one step further and describes spirituality uh, slightly different to what people think spirituality is today, again, due to having a very misconstrued idea of God. And again, you know, I'll be very bold and I'll blame, unfortunately, religions today, one being Christianity at the forefront of it all. Um, but, you know, ultimately you you see a, 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 an immense amount of people now. It's like a widespread exodus out of hedonism into principles that are tried and tested and are necessary for you to live a, a well-lived life, right? And people appreciate that. And I think that if you appreciate that, then you can most assuredly appreciate religion, and especially um, the religion of Islam, because that's what the religion of Islam fundamentally and one great part of it is all about. You know I, I, would, I would say maybe 50, maybe 60, 70 percent of Islam is all, of, all this, you know, bringing about morality, bringing about regulating your life so you don't get bogged down with depression and, and you know, immense negativity. I think
2: it's, uh, so, um, sorry, I, I just wanted to no, no, to say, you, you know, um, you, you mentioned that people are moving away from this hedonistic lifestyle where you just immediately get what you want um, in the hopes that it would make you happy, but you still end up feeling empty. Um, it's fascinating that if you look at human behavior, um, well, ever since we've been around, um, You know, the process of moving to civilized society basically means that you stop doing exactly that, right? Um, Whereas when we were, you know, hunter-gatherers, you know, there's an external stimulus. Um, I don't know, maybe there's food that we want or, um, you know, maybe there's a predator out there that could hurt us. And, you know, we're always on guard. So it's always fight or flight. Um, whereas now, you know, as, as civilization moved through, you know, we moved away from that. We were able to focus on things that were further away in the future. For example, you know, everybody's obsessed with saving money, um, just to, um, you know, throw, throw that in there as well, cause why not? And, uh, you know, the, the concept of saving something for your future rather than spending it now. And, you know, it's fascinating to me that people can, people want to do that. You know, we all love money, but people are happy to put their money in some kind of savings or, you know, like they're they're rushing to beat inflation somehow, like they want to invest in the stock market or whatever. But when it comes to, you know, behaving on a day-to-day and like looking at the rest of their lives, the focus just isn't there. And, you know, like you said, that there's a trend of people moving there, but, you know, for young people growing up that have seen this every day, I mean, this this is this is the biggest challenge of their lives. Um, I mean, it's it's one of the biggest challenges that I've had in my life growing up in you know society around me that values um, you know all these things. You know, whatever media I consume, whether it's movies, TV shows, music videos, everything presents you the same concept. You know, this is what you w- what you want to have, and you want to have it now. You know, get rich quick type stuff. So. Um, I, w- I would really like to know, um, in your experience, you know, what would be the best way for you to kind of, you know, kind of focus on their future rather than focus on the now, and how to live a meaningful life. I guess.
0: Yeah, no, that, that it's it's actually really interesting. I think it's a kind of a, <laughs> it's a it's an I- irony. Uh, and it's a paradox, I would say, that we're living through, where, yeah, where, where there's a great number of people now, and um, who you know are understanding the importance of civilized behavior, of uh, moral conduct, and I would even say trying to achieve excellence within their capacity. Um, yeah, on the other hand, you you do have a lot of people who, unfortunately. Don't know any better because, you know, obviously whatever's being shown on on TV or whatever, you know, um, people, uh, you know, when you have that mob mentality coming through, um, you know, people feel peer pressured um, into thinking that well, uh, maybe the best life is uh, to gratify yourself immediately. Um, you know, it, it's it, it's an unfortunate problem, but I think. Those who have a religion have it much easier, right? And I, I think that's one of my biggest pet peeves, right? Something that really gets to me Um, is if you, especially if you've inherited the religion of Islam, right? It's something which you've grown up seeing in your home. It's something which provides you a community, a support, right? It, it gives you... Um, a place to go that you can call your second home, i.e. the mosque or wherever the community gathers, right? It gives you a support network and a support system, right, to help you um, understand uh, the principles that are espoused by Islam to live a better life, right? I think it just comes down to actually just trying to understand what you're doing, right? Right. Um, because, like for example, our, our community, our community as Ahmadi Muslims, one thing that we openly, we openly and boldly claim, and we pledge, you know, on a number of our events, um, on a number of occasions, is that we will give precedence to our religion over the world. And sometimes I think a lot of people don 't really fully understand what that means you know when, when and again, I think again it 's due to this paradox that is in society, these misconstrued ideas about religion that is ever prevailing that obviously if you 're part of society you 're going to be affected by right and a lot of people I, I would argue would when they think of giving precedence to religion over the world, straight the way they start thinking, well there are set, a certain set of rituals that i need to do right that the religion expects of me to do and i need to just do them through mere lip service for example turn up on turn up to the mosque on friday for a friday service or during the day i need to offer my five daily prayers and i just need to do them and get them out of the way but i don't actually know what on earth these activities or these values are doing for me right so you, th- you think that, you know, well, I need to give religion precedence over the world. But then at the same time, you have this overarching idea that, well, to be very honest, I think the world is a bit more beneficial because, you know, it, it's giving me something in return. Whereas religion it's just, again, a set of redundant ritualistic values, and you don't fully really understand why you're even doing it and why you need to give precedence to it. Whereas if you understand the fact that, again, Religion is not a set of ritualistic, redundant values. Again, religion, when you're saying that I give precedence to my religion over the world, what you're actually saying is, I give precedence to myself living a fulfilled a meaningful and full life. That Ultimately, that's what you're saying. You're saying that I'm not going to live on survival and I'm not going to be chasing the world to get bread and bring, you know, money in to somehow put a roof over my head. Obviously those things are important too, um, within religion. I mean, if, if solely all you're doing is running after, you know, material gain, you know, it could be argued that, you know, all you're really doing is, uh, living according to that human instinct of survival, all animals live on survival, Right. But you can bring that into the religious sphere where, well, okay, you, you make a living. You, 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 you aspire to a career that helps people and makes the world around you better. And to do that, you need to you know adopt a certain level of sacrifices within your life. You need to live a certain type of routine. You need to s- study a certain amount of time. And within this world, you need to also regulate your time by taking time out to actively... You know, pray and meditate on the most important thing in your life, right, which again um you know in religious terms is god and if you if you're not a religious person, you don't quite understand the concept of God, which we can discuss at later episodes or a later time um you know it's your the highest virtue and the highest form of good that you can even think of within your hierarchical you know um value system right. Ultimately, you know, when you're trying to do that, and you understand that that's what religion provides, it provides you um, the the resources to really live your life properly. And then you try, you actually understand the wisdom behind everything that you're doing. Right, and prayer was just an example that I used. You know, we pray five times a day and, you know, a long discussion can be had on the benefits of it and how it helps you regulate your day and ensure that you live your day appropriately and fully, right? And among many other things in terms of mental health benefits and, you know, even, you know, you know there's a whole concept of brain, you know, neuro neuroplasticity city now, um, which, you know, is proving how... You know, your mental states can affect your physical state and vice versa. uh, You know, basically what I'm saying is, if you understand this and you appreciate it, and when you understand that you give religion precedence to the world on the basis of the fact that religion is basically teaching you to live your life the best way possible, then, you know, especially the youth who happen to be born Muslim, Into the religion of Islam, and particularly I would say Ahmadi Muslim, right? We're very fortunate. You're very fortunate. You've been given a whole system, and the only thing that's keeping you from truly benefiting from this overall lifestyle that you've literally just been given on a silver platter is your understanding. It's just you just haven't understood. Uh, understood it pro- properly and you, you're you unfortunately you know um, you, you've unfortunately fallen prey to what everyone else has fallen prey to and the reason why people are moving away from religion right so i, I think it just I fundamentally just comes down to understanding that and as a youth really welcoming that and realizing that you know there is a lot of value Uh, in understanding religion properly and helping you live a fulfilled life. Now, if you're not within the fold of Islam, then, well, you know, look into it and look into the merits of it all. And you you can see, for. I mean, ultimately the truth speaks for itself, right? I mean, if there's any merit to any of this, um, then, you know, um, it's something that will most definitely be appealing um, and and definitely would help someone uh, live their best life, right? Uh, does, does that make sense i mean does that does that answer the question
2: yeah i guess i guess what you're saying is that you know just because um this thing exists and just because you're born into it doesn't automatically mean that you've understood it completely that you have to put some work in and without putting that work in you're not going to get anywhere and i think that's like to me personally that's one of the you know one of the core teachings of islam is that you know, you, faith must be accompanied by works, um, and you know, like um, just just like two three days ago, I was uh, I was reading the Quran, I was reading this um, detailed commentary, and um, I came across this verse, which basically went on the lines of that um, in heaven they will never be fatigued, um, and you know, uh, like in the commentary of the verse, uh, basically um it was beautifully explained that you know (laughs) it's not it's not a heaven for people who don't put any work in because at the end of the day the concept of heaven that islam paints um over there you you're constantly going to be working and you're constantly going to be improving but because it's heaven you will never get tired so i i found that i found that really beautiful as in the teaching of Islam is, you know, you, you constantly improve through this life and in, in the next as well, it's a constant improvement and you're always heading as close as possible towards the ultimate truth, uh, which as you beautifully described before is what we consider God. Um, so yeah, like I, I'm hundred percent, you know, I, I, get that fully that without putting the work in, we're not going to go,
0: and, we're and not going think... to understand
2: this beautiful religion and, um,
0: yeah. Absolutely, and I, and, I, and I strongly feel people get it. You know, people understand this. They, they so understand this. I mean, there's so many, <laughs> there's, um, you know, on, on, on YouTube, you, you, you'll come across um, videos um, where people argue against religion, right? But when religion is presented in this way, uh, you know, even the staunchest atheist. Um, or critic of religion tends to completely agree, right? That well, well, if it's fundamentally trying to <laughs> live a good life, if it means you know regulating how much you eat, uh, ensuring that you know you make your bed in the morning and you you ensure that you remain clean throughout the day for your own hygiene, you know, if if it means you know waking up at a particular time every day and you know, regulating your day, using meditative practices, um, you know, working hard, um, uh, and you know, choosing a sacrifice and living with it, uh, you know, all of these things, it, we've already we already agree to these things. We already understand the benefit of it. And as you quite rightly put put it, I mean, if we hadn't done these things, I think one crucial issue with um i don't know I, I believe it's called the the woke society today is you completely undermine what human civilization has managed to achieve over you know a time period that is far greater uh, than what we have perceived just over the past you know few years right um Right, we 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 pride ourselves with this modern understanding, which is, you know, can be argued is very distorted. It doesn't have an objective standard, and unfortunately, you know, it can also be argued that it's causing a lot of issues in in society today. And one of the foremost issues is this this. Idea or this practice of completely undermining what our forefathers have achieved over millennia, right? Civilization came into this world quite literally due to religious values because the human being finally decided that we should move away from our natural instincts and bring ourselves into the paradigm of morality. I mean, ultimately, what is morality? Morality is Regulating our natural instincts, right? Using our reasoning with clear intent, right? And due to these moral structures that we've de- developed, and you know, historically it can be argued that all of these moral structures were given through the various uh, prophets of God and religions. We've managed to, you know, come to a stage today. Um, we, where there's immense growth, and you know where, you know, you can say suffering has been reduced um, incredibly, right? But none of this would have been achieved if you know civilization wasn't established. And it's interesting because today, unfortunately, you do have a great or a big group which is, you know, quite away, quite literally cutting away at the roots of civilization. But, you know, I, I try to take a positive worldview and what I see, you know, equally against this is a great number of people who do appreciate this, do understand this and are readily looking for, um, you know, these values that we've inherited through religion and which are clearly demonstrated by Islam um, much better than, you know, I would say any other religion which unfortunately has hasn't managed to uh, you know uh, uh, live up to the test of time
1: so the basic I guess the the main if you're, if you're painting a picture on a frame the basic painting we're painting right now of Islam is that it's a set of values that we follow to kind of achieve a fulfilled life and achieve our best life possible right but Here's the question that comes from that, and I'll give an example of it, um, is that why do we really need Islam for that? There's a lot of other, you know, rules or ideals or perhaps not religions, just a set of values that you can follow to achieve the same kind of fulfillment. Um, you don't really need to, you know, follow Islam to know that if you're you know, already waking up early and working out and... Your mental health is good and you're working hard and all of these you know traits the I guess you can call them moral traits. if you already have them, why do you really need Islam? you know and I'll give an example uh, with this as well of something that we can follow rather than perhaps religion is in the medical field, there's something called CBD, right it's cog- CBD yeah cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT sorry. Right. And the main focus of CBT is that you have to kind of rewire your brain on how to think. And this is the primary, uh, you know, therapy that is being used for anxiety and depression and all kinds of mental health issues today. Right. And what you do is you go and you essentially just meditate. You sit and the goal is, hey, you're going to focus on your breath. Your mind's going to take you some other places, which are going to cause your anxiety, cause your depression. But at the end of the day, you know, bring your thoughts back to your breath and just focus on that singular thing, your breath, right? And if you're doing that right, and if you do it for long enough, your brain rewires. And this has shown to be the most effective therapy for anxiety and depression. And this is being used in clinical, uh, you know, scenarios now. So why does one perhaps even need religion to, you know, achieve all these traits that were mentioned or, you know, that be painted on a painting board. So why is Islam really needed? What other value does it bring other than these basic traits, you know, basic, I guess, moral traits, you can call them. Um, And I'll, I'll, I'll address this to Imam Hadi, and then we'll move on from there yeah well
0: yeah that's a very very good question and i think it's fair i think um a reply um to this should be given because it's a natural kind of a question that can arise isn't it i mean if we through our own effort have now ultimately started to realize what is good for ourselves um then why do we need to even look to a particular religion to uh tell us how to do things right You know, I I think this this question would need to be unpacked because there's a number of aspects to it um, which need to be understood to fully appreciate um, the answer, right? I mean, first and foremost, the Holy Quran, right, which is the fundamental source of Islam, right? I, I think it's important to understand that fact first and foremost, right? Islam is quite literally the Holy Quran. The Holy Quran is Islam, right? The Holy Qur'an is um, what we believe to be the objective standard to prove the existence of God. And we believe it to be the revealed word of God, right? And the Holy Qur'an in itself actually boldly presents this challenge to society and to the world. And it says that, look, if you can come up with a better book than this, a book which is both concise and comprehensive, a book which was well ahead of its time when it was revealed. It was revealed to an individual who did not have any formal education whatsoever but was espousing truths which was mind-boggling to the people of that time and is still timeless and applicable to today's society, right? So the Holy Qur'an presents the challenge and it says that, well, if you're able to find a comprehensive and yet concise manual which can basically face up to or can go up against the Holy Qur'an, then you should do that. And based on its merits, we'll then evaluate which is better, right? And up until today, that's never been the case. And this is something which obviously you can understand it's a discussion which would take hours and hours because obviously, you know, uh, an individual could say, well, th- this is one value that I've learned from so-and-so and this is one value that I've learned from so-and-so. And then we could go through the exercise of showing that, well, did you know that that value has already been described in the Holy Quran? Did you know that that value has been already described in the Holy Quran in this way, and that way, et cetera. And, you know, all those things that you've found from like, 10, 20, 50 different people who've done extensive research over their time to come to realize this simple truth. It's already been detailed in the Holy Quran. I mean, you gave the example um, of, of, uh, you said it was CBT, right? Um, in the in the in the medical profession and it 's one of the foremost ways yeah. on uh, dealing with anxiety and, and dealing with depression and trying to ultimately what is it it's basically teaching you to move yourself from negative states of being into positive states of being right through you know focusing on one thing and not allowing your brain to go towards uh, those negative thoughts which could eventually uh lead to negative stimulus and you know uh, overworking the brain and the body uh through uh, anxious emotions right um it's interesting because that's exactly what salat is right salat which is the islamic form of prayer for centuries right human beings have learned to pray learned to um you know I mean, technically, a whole conversation on simplifying what prayer is um, can be had as well. I mean, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, um, he explained prayer in such a simple, concise, but comprehensive manner. He said that, you know, fundamentally, um, what prayer is, is you trying to search for the means to an end, Right. Um, you trying to find and reflect and find the means and the solution to a problem that you have in your mind, right? And he says the only difference between an individual who believes in God and an individual who doesn't is that he knows that the source of all grace and energy and the absolute is the Alpha, the Omega is God Almighty. So ultimately, that solution is also going to come through that chain. Right, where someone who doesn't believe in God, he does exactly the same thing, he reflects, but he doesn't know where the information is coming from, right? Um, now, in the case of Salat, what I was saying is prayer is something, this, this practice that I've just described in a simple form, is something that we all do, we still do, people who don't believe in God still do, and for millennia we've been doing. But Salat, right, just like many things in Islam, you know, Islam ultimately teaches us to regulate our natural instincts, bring them into the moral paradigm, right? Similarly, in Islam, everything takes up a great deal of sophistication, right? It teaches us to do things in the most sophisticated manner. So prayer, the most sophisticated form of prayer that has been described by Islam is Salat, right? And it has, you can say, it it is an amalgamation of teachings from All the world religions, right? It's really interesting. Recently, I came across um, a story by a convert, and he was saying I was a Christian and I converted to Islam purely on the basis that when I would go to church, we would kneel and we wouldn't prostrate." Whereas I read in the Bible that Jesus would put his face on the ground and he would prostrate before God when he would pray. So when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was praying to God to take this cup away from me, this situation of the crucifixion, he was prostrating before God and crying. And he said that, well, that wasn't in Christianity and I found it to be in the religion of Islam, right? Um, And similarly, the religion of Islam, you can say, takes all the universal truths that are found across the world and provides it in the most succinct, and best manner. So what I'm saying is this idea that you shared is in actuality one of the fundamental cause and aspects of Salat, right? The Islamic form of prayer. Literally what we're taught is during our day, during our weeks, during our months, during our lives, we will constantly be faced with negative stimuli which switches on the flight and fight response and puts us under immense pressure and puts us into survival which is not really good for our body and our you know ultimate health so it is required that during the day you take actively time out and you focus your attention on the most and supreme and the absolute good right so instead of focusing your attention on your breath Right, you focus your attention on God, right, and more importantly, it teaches that the best time to do it is starting off early in the morning, right, when everything is quiet, when melatonin is at the highest right, and because you know research shows that when there's increased melatonin in the system then the there is decreased um um cortisol in the system which which is the which is basically the chemical that produces stress right so Islam teaches that you begin your day with um, salat by focusing your mind and attention on God Almighty and trying to actively move away from those thoughts which are negative and are causing you stress and anxiety right and to rewire your brain by doing so, and because if you can do it early in the morning without any distraction and fully giving and investing your time into it, then it teaches you that you should be able to then reciprocate that at different intervals during the day. And this is exactly what the the modern practitioners of meditation teach. They teach that, well, you should wake up early in the morning, you should give yourself ample time to meditate and focus on your breath, etc. And if you do it well enough, then you should be able to reciprocate it throughout the day. I mean... That's exactly what salat is, right? That is exactly what prayer is, or the Islamic form of prayer. Now, going one step further, right? Answering, uh, you know, the question of well, there's, you know, there's certain values and there's certain principles that you can have from, you know, other worldviews, you know, maybe other philosophies or other religions or other, etc. Right? I mean, first and foremost, Islam acknowledges that. Islam does acknowledge that, you know, Christ- Christianity is valid in its initial form. Judaism is valid in its initial form. Buddhism is valid in its initial form, when it wasn't, you know, distorted by man, right? And when nonsensical ideas didn't creep in. Islam also acknowledges that, you know, there can be ideas and principles which, you have come across not through the agency of religion, but purely through a secular society. And that's well and good, right? And that's most beneficial for you to take you from your instinctual and natural state into the moral paradigm and your civilized state. But one thing that Islam boldly explains is that your idea of the supreme good, right, your idea of God, Right, the only perfect understanding of God in Islam is or the only perfect understanding of God in the world today is found in the religion of islam right, and that's a really important idea to have because that 's where the question of spirituality comes in you know people today they 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 tend to argue that um they believe that they're spiritual but they're not religious, and I think we've through our discussion today. Um, I think, established that, you know, religious or being religious doesn't mean ascribing to a set of, you know, dogmatic or unrealistic beliefs. You know, being religious ultimately is living a principled life and a well-lived life, etc., right, which is all well and good. And what people of today or the society today, what it does is that it unfortunately, you know, then has a very distorted idea of what spirituality is, right? And it it says that, well, spirituality is basically, um, you know, this inner feeling that I have or uh, having a connection which is far greater than myself, having a connection with something which transcends, you know, the corporal understanding of life and um, ascribing to uh, something which is greater than yourself, right? Um, And Islam teaches that, well, yeah, that's true, but the greatest of virtues and the greatest good that you can even come up with and you can think of is God Almighty. And Islam ties salvation, right, to that relationship and that understanding with God, right? And Islam teaches that, well, salvation is based on having a perfect understanding of God trying to imitate god in all of our affairs right and ultimately developing that spiritual connection with him where it's no longer a one-way connection but it's a two-way connection where you actually see him and experience him responding to you right and helping you progress and get better and better as life goes 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 forth right so answering that i mean i know it's a long-ended answer but to fully appreciate and understand this this situation, if, if you were to summarize this all, having listened to this whole explanation, ultimately what Islam will give you is a connection with God which no other religion or worldview is able to provide because a complete picture of God is not found in any other worldview or religion. Right. When you're talking about a complete picture of God, you're talking about his perfect attributes. Right. Uh, I mean, you again, you can take the example of Christianity, if you will. Right. If, you know, in one sense, there's this idea that God is absolutely he's so just that he's not even able to. You know, forgive mankind and requires a sacrifice from a child, and all this completely distorted belief, which is resulting in millions of people leaving Christianity, right? And Islam teaches completely against this and provides an explanation on God that God is pretty much interwoven in the fabric of the universe, right? And, you know, ultimately, this universe is his decree and the laws of nature ultimately is a design that he has purposely made, you know, for our own progress, etc. So ultimately what 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 Islam gives us or what religion or or the religion of Islam gives us is not only you know a set of morals, principles that enable us to live a principled and civilized, well proportioned life, but it takes you one step further and it takes you to a point where you can, you know, experience a true form of spirituality, right? Which is a connection with the most supreme and absolute good. So ultimately, it's just a question, isn't it? Um, you have to question yourself that, you know, what is your idea of the supreme good, right? And is it possible that the supreme good could be a conscious God which responds? And if that is a possibility, then how do what do I do to establish that connection right and if I'm not interested in establishing that connection then you know am I really is is my are my intentions really pure to progress and live the best life I can and then you ask yourself the question that well if if this is the case and my intentions are pure and I do want a connection with God right and the supreme good then who has the best answer right and if the best answer is found in the holy quran then why would you have an issue with accepting it right and if the best answer isn't in the holy quran then produce a manual that provides a better you know uh, lifestyle and a way of life that can enable you to traverse uh, these stages of life which is the natural state the moral state and the spiritual state right so um that that that's something which is important to understand and I, and i confidently believe people appreciate this it's just unfortunately um you know they just don't have the information and um where they're consuming their idea of religion from uh, is something which is highly distorted right um as we've discussed earlier
2: that's a that's a great answer i don't think i could <laughs> I could really add much to that, but I did want to highlight, uh, that, you know, it started off with a deal saying that, you know, there's so many new therapies, there's so many new ways to think about the world and, you know, they could be equally valid. Um, so another point that I thought of at that time was that, you know, science is the continual progress. Um, like it's a you're always asking a question, am I wrong? Can I make things better? Is there a better way to do things? And, you know, today it might be CBT and we might have a really advanced understanding of um, who we are as human beings and how best to fix ourselves. But I'm I'm 100% certain, like you, <laughs> that tomorrow we would have a better method of treating the same disease. Um, and I think the fact that we realize that, you you know today the method we have we can improve upon that i think that automatically tells us that there is a better method out there otherwise why would you continue on with scientific research um so the fact that we keep on doing that um tells me that you know everybody knows and understands that there has to be a better way out there and to uh, to touch to touch your point again that you know islam is the best method um, I, I think another thing that goes, um, that goes really well in favor of Islam is that whenever a new scientific discovery is made, whenever we uncover a new scientific truth or whenever new research comes out, it always supports what Islam has already been teaching us. It never goes against it. And I think that's, that's one unique aspect of Islam that no other religion can really match and no other philosophy can match either. Um, and I think at the end of the day, you want to, Everybody wants to have the best in this world, right? Like even if we just focus on this world, everybody wants to have the best thing. You want the best house, the best car, the best wife or the part, best partner or whatever. Um, and, you know, you, you want to always optimize. You want to simplify. You want one system or one process that you can follow that would give you success in all aspects of your life. So instead of having to pick CBT in one, instead of picking stoicism over there or, you know, picking mixing and matching, like today I listen to Eminem and tomorrow I'm listening to Dr. Dre telling me, hey, don't do this or be like that. You know, I've got this one perfect formula called Islam, that soul encompassing, that has everything embedded in it, that time and time again, science proves to be correct. And, you know, it's... It's one of the claims of the founders of Ahmadiyya Muslim community as well that, you know, there's no other philosophy or way of life that can compete with Islam at the end of the day. You can take, you can implement that um, to the hilt, but you would always find that uh, the perfect balance doesn't really exist without this religion.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and I think you've uh, completely hit the nail on the head. Um, that was a great summary. Because, yeah, absolutely. Because the thing is, it's interesting because that's exactly what, again, proves the challenge of the Holy Quran to be true, right? Ultimately, if it is a revealed scripture from God Almighty, right? And if it does claim to provide the perfect manual to live your best life, right? Then that means that no amount of philosophizing or... No amount of concepts that you can come up with today, right, for someone to live a meaningful and fulfilled life, right, can be found, which the Holy Quran has not already demonstrated, and that was like an outstanding challenge by the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community. He would he he used to challenge society. He would say that look, you 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 can, um, you know, and he's from this age, right? It's not like from five hundred years ago where, you know, you could have argued that, you know, science had not made um, the progress that it had, right? It's from this age where he's saying that, look, I challenge you to provide me any values or principles or set of ideals, right, which the society today now comes to hold to be true for someone to live a full life, right? And I can demonstrate that to you from the Holy Quran, right? Um, So, yeah, I, I think your summary was absolutely spot on. And um you're absolutely right.
2: That's yeah, very rare that, for me, I'd say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a that was definitely a great summary. Um absolutely. That was great, guys. Some you know great ideas were shared uh today. And I'm quite excited actually, uh, with what we have coming up in the next few episodes. Um now this is pretty much for the listeners. I, I wanted to actually first, I want to thank you both of our uh, panelists here who have, you know, given us some true valuable and golden points. And shed some light on why Islam is actually needed, especially by, you know, in, in this contemporary society with so many new problems. Well, you know, quote unquote, new problems. Um, but now to our Listeners, if you like this episode, please do follow us on our social media, which is at TrueIslamAU. Similarly, if you can visit our website for more content, uh, it is TrueIslam.com.au. Again, it's TrueIslam.com.au. We would also love to get some feedback. Uh, Do you agree? Do you disagree? Uh, What topics we should cover in the future? Um, Our contact details are in the description, so we will love some feedback on this episode and the future episodes as well. With that, this is all. Uh, unfortunately, this is all that we have today. But thank you for listening, and until next time, peace be upon you all. Ismaelo Ismaelo Saulta Sama Ja Al Masih Ja